Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode. Oh no, I didn't look. One forty-five <laughs> of Family Board. It's one forty-five or one forty-six. Don't judge me. It's been a long. This week has been a long month, as I like to say. Um, I'm your usual host, Caleb Sawyer, and with me is a very special guest. Uh, he has composed music for video games like Shadowrun Dragonfall and Shadowrun Hong Kong and Battletech, which is where I discovered him. Uh, and since then, also Disintegration. Uh, what am I missing? Solitaire Conspiracy? And then a short film, right? Called uh, uh, And Then, which yeah. uh, I looked for uh, recently and was like, oh, I need to watch that. And I did not do that. I'm sorry. But I have yeah, no John Everest with me. How's it going, John? Hello, hello. Doing well. Happy it's Friday. Happy to be here. It is. This is easily the the uh, podcast that has had the longest gestation period. I think because we started <laughs> we started talking and trying to arrange it in I think the beginning of March and it is now April eighth. Uh, yeah. But hey, it, it's here. We've done it. It's here. We've done it. It's been cuckoo crazy. I'm notoriously just so bad at uh, email follow up. Also, so that was I'm sure the start of it. It's like I my inbox. I'm one of those people that I'm not an inbox zero person i'm an inbox no. infinity person yes because i think if i leave it unread uh you know i'm gonna remember tomorrow to look through my unreads and right. follow up but you know yeah you just ignore the number happens. of unreads that end up <laughs> piling up and you're like no it's in there somewhere yeah i'm, I'm really glad we were able to make it happen uh, it's been it's been crazy it's been busy yeah it's been busy you've been uh working you said deadlines and stuff anything that's been announced or is it all stuff that's still uh in, in development yeah still in development lots of uh good old video game ndas i've been living under sure. a lot of that um one of the projects um i can talk a little bit vaguely about it i've been working on one for gosh on and off for maybe four or five years now um and we're going to be recording we're finally in the process of recording uh at abbey road which is uh First time I've recorded at Abbey Road, which is just like a yeah. crazy pinch me moment. Sure, <laughs> yeah, like sure. I never, never in a million years would have ever thought I would be recording uh, at Abbey Road in my lifetime. But we're doing that um, in August. And so that's that's really exciting to see that big project kind of start to come to a head yeah. and wrap up. And then a few other things that are, are, are more on the earlier stage of starting up, um, but really, really excited about the stuff that uh, I'm getting into lots of like um, projects with um, very, very cool uh, and talented folks and sure. um, kind of big scope and, and stuff. That's, that's letting me really go all out. So yeah, it's exciting. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Before we're getting into, I guess I, sh I should have opened with this before getting into what you're currently doing. Um, can you tell people where you started? Like how you, how did you get into this? How did you, what day, when did you yeah. wake up and go, I'm going to compose for video games? Like, what, <laughs> how did that happen? Uh, I think, like, it's complicated, right? Like, I have, I'm a pretty circuitous, circuitous path in music, I like to say. I think that's kind of in general, that's, that's um, how uh, a career in music is, uh, usually. Um, so, like, I grew up always interested in music. I never went the classical route, though. Um, I was kind of uh, in bands and played drums, uh, uh, percussion and guitar and stuff. And um, was just kind of always nerding out on music and making music with my friends. Um, 
and I was kind of I was I was kind of discouraged I think from studying music uh, classically when I was young. I grew up. My mom was uh, a single mother, teacher, uh, 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 elementary school teacher. I think she was just really concerned about me pursuing a career that would potentially not be very uh, financially supportive sure. uh, yeah. or, or something. I, I, I don't know. But um, see, so yeah, I, I kind of stuck to the hobbyist route and then um, really got into um, like electronic music and uh, that whole era of like the mid to late nineties and electronics and, um, and, and hip hop also doing like, hip-hop production and stuff was really fascinating to me in the 90s especially um and did that kind of on the side as much as possible um never really thought i would ever make a living off of it and then it was like 2010 or something like that um i i was a fan of Amon tobin who was an electronic producer and yeah. I think that was, I think it was 2008 or 2010, something like that. The Splinter Cell Chaos Theory um, mm-hmm. soundtrack that he did. I remember playing it and being, and I'd always grew up playing video games and love video games, but I just never thought it was possible to, to be writing music for video games. I'd always sure. thought of it as like orchestral kind of out of my depth um, stuff. But I heard Amon Tobin saying, not that I thought I was as good as him, but I was like, damn, like this is really yeah. kind of cool that I could do some electronic stuff and possibly like do this for a living. And it was at a point in my life where I was, you know, just really like downtrodden and, and felt like I was uh, pursuing a career that I really wasn't interested in. And it was one of those moments where it's like, I can either go this way or I can like go all in the other direction um and i decided to um uh, quit my job and cash out my little retirement fund that i had built up from that job and go back to uh music school which i i did end up dropping out of my second year uh uh (laughs) into it though but um yeah so like i said long-winded very you know not a straight path no that's fine it's fine. No one's path in the games I've experienced. Uh, I've realized over the experience of interviewing like a dozen people or so, no one's path yeah. in is like a like repeatable. No one's. Everyone's like, yeah, you gotta figure it out. <laughs> and then two, none of them are like simple. No one's like, I so yeah. I did a thing and then I made games. It's never that short. Um, it's always like I did this and then this and then I tried to do this for a little bit and then like, oops, video games. Uh, which yeah. is kind of awesome. I love that. I love that the Amon Tobin scores to Splinter Cell was what made you go like, "Oh shit!" Because I, growing up, like stealth games have always kind of been my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically Splinter Cell, Thief, uh, and then yeah, of course, like Dishonored. More recently, Dishonored and, and Assassin's Creed, which is again departed from stealth largely. Uh, still, I remember my uncle and I were big into Wipeout, the racing games. Mm. And like mm-hmm. because of that, and because he was very much into the electronic scene of music, I discovered guys like Sasha and and uh, Amon Tobin around that time, and then played Chaos Theory and Conviction. I think Conviction score is the one that that's like my favorite, one of my favorite games of all time. I play it like mm-hmm. twice a year. It just it's great. But the score was so like droning and insectoid almost, like clicks and pops and oh god, yeah. I was like, yeah, this is insane. <laughs> 
And then I found out it was Amon Tobin, and I was like, yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. I love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it rules. Um, what, uh, how did you, like, you said that you were trying to learn classically and kind of discouraged by that. Your music now is, I don't want to say, like, I'm not trying to put it in brackets, but a lot of your music now is a fusion, right, of electronic mm-hmm. and, and uh, symphonic sounds. Did that balance come naturally? Was that something that you were like, well, I know a little bit of this, but I love this, and I'm going to mash them together? Uh, how did you come up with that, with your sound? Yeah, I, th- I think it's it comes pretty natural just from the way that I approached music. You know, I kind of... Um, I kind of went the music route like backwards in a way. Like I, I learned to like hone my ear before I learned to learn theory. You know what I'm saying? Like I was producing music and um, you know, if I was making like a beat or something, I would often sample orchestral music or I would like write, um, try to like mimic my own um, orchestral samples and stuff sure. like that to use. Um, and so like getting really comfortable in the electronic production side of stuff uh, was a good foundation. And then when I went back to school and was studying the the sort of theory and composition stuff, I realized that I kind of knew more than I thought I did. And it was sort of like, it felt to me like learning to write a language that I kind of had heard conversationally already for a lot of my life, you know? And it was a really cool experience because my, my teacher, my composition teacher was really, really cool, really like um, supportive. And um, I always had like a fear of like, uh, of not understanding that academic side of music and being like, feeling like ostracized by that like community or whatever and i think just the way he approached it and the way i i learned the basis of writing orchestral music it it sort of dismissed that idea of it being not approachable um and as like you know just another it's sort of another language you can add into a composition and some games some games call for for heavy or- orchestral and others more electronic, but I think there's always usually a really good use case for co- some sort of combination of the two because they're just so they work so well together. They're they're yeah. so com- compatible. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I was a big fan of the the Deus Ex games. Um, mm-hmm. Not the original. I was too young to play that. My mom didn't let me. But uh, <laughs> Human Revolution and Mankind Divided. The Human Revolution score was just always on my oh, iPod or my iPhone because, like, uh, it's Michael McCann, right? Like, his mm-hmm. just use of electronic stuff with – it was great. It was great. And then yeah. I think right around that time, the social network came out, right, around 2010. And Trent Reznor, of course, won an Oscar, and it's, like, the first Oscar for a score that's entirely electronic. Like he never He didn't use a single live instrument. Uh, mm-hmm. and I don't know, it feels like since, I don't know, I'm not in the industry, you are, but it seems like since around like 2008 to 2012, as like electronic artists started getting more recognition, those fields have blended more and the, the naysayers, the people that are like, no, the purists, I guess, have mm-hmm. kind of been, maybe not, maybe not, they haven't stopped, but they've been hushed a little more because mm. that like mixture of 
you know, real and synthetic is kind of incredible and it keeps happening. Like no one, it doesn't seem like we're going back and if there's, yeah, there's yeah. still purely symphonic scores, but there's, I think more and more you're seeing, if not a, like Hans Zimmer, I'm rambling, but Hans Zimmer like used to be because it was what was done all symphonic, but now mm. he just experiments with so many noises that like every score is different and has such weird droning or like, if you've seen Dune, that incredible like throat singing sound, yeah, it's super processed but incredible. Uh, right? Have you? Gosh, I saw I saw Dune in uh, in a, one of the IMAXs, yeah, and it was so loud that <laughs> there's this like this drum fill. I can't. It's a uh, for one of the. Um, gosh, I can't remember what what uh, group it is, but it's. One of their one of the themes of one of these uh, people in the in the in the uh, movie and this crazy drum fill was like coolest thing I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah, it rules. Theater. It was so it was so rad. I tried to listen to it like in headphones later, and I was like, oh man, it's, it's not the same. It's still cool, but it's not the same. Like, yeah, it was mixed so specifically for that sort of experience. And I think like going off of what you're saying. Um, yeah, like nays. There's always been naysayers in I think any art form, and I think for music in film and games, especially, it's like the the goal or the sole purpose of music in film and games is to support emotion and and generate empathy and support mm -hmm. the story. And gosh, like you can do that in any ways like uh hilder's score for uh chernobyl used like all these you know crazy yeah. found sound instruments and stuff and johnny greenwood is playing uh you know a cello and layering it um playing a cello like a guitar and layering it a hundred times on itself for yep. uh for his scores and they're just as emotionally impactful depending on what content they're put in front of right like if as long as the music is supportive it doesn't matter what you're doing you know you could be tapping on the table and it could be perfect right yeah i um there's a couple of so i've i've run um actual play like D&D game podcast with my family mm -hmm. and uh i it was inspired to do that uh from a couple of other actual plays i'd listened to and of course they had music and i was like oh I so I'm a writer. I didn't clarify that. I mean, obviously, I, I run a, a blog, which is why I uh, reached out to you. But I also uh, do like world building and and fiction writing. I've done. I've written for games. I've written for comics. I've written all sorts of stuff. But like my whole thing is that if I have the ability to impact all sorts of different kinds of storytelling, I'll I'll try and doing stuff on my own. Um, the D and D game that we started to build, I was like, this needs music. Uh, and having like studied music a little bit in college and high school and just loving music my whole life, I was like, oh, I got an iPad with GarageBand. So that was the start. But then I worked at Apple and got a MacBook with Logic and was like, oh, shit, I have the tools yeah. now. And so like I created a little score for our D&D game. And my favorite thing, it's probably terrible. Like I'd only share it with friends that I know I'm not going to lose anytime soon. So they don't like... <laughs> They don't share it. And get I'm me sure it's laughing. great. It's it's one of those things where like it it just it came out. Like I remember sitting down one day and being like, "Yeah, it sounds like this." I remember like looking up different chords and the feel, or not chords, but different mm -hmm. like key structures and like kind of 
emotions they evoked. And I picked like a specific minor key that studies showed uh, created anxiety because there was a bunch of like bad stuff happening in the game. So I, I built the score around that. Uh, and it was, I love it. It's the best. And like you said, if it supports what you're doing, if it supports the, you know, the, the medium, not even the medium, but the story in front of it, then who cares? Mm-hmm. Who cares what it sounds, what it sounds like? It's, uh, yeah, it's got to go with what it's made for the, but the reason I brought that up actually is the sound, the number of sounds you use that are different. Like I used, uh, I was walking down the hallway in college, uh, of the gym, like the giant $14 million athletic complex we had. And this doorway that opened up into the gymnasium was metal framed, but it was, it's, it's, it was weird. It had like a gap in between it. So there were these, they looked like giant keys to me. So I punched Mm. one and it made this like bong and then dropped like several octaves. So you felt it in your chest. So I was like, get all the sound equipment from the school, (laughs) bring it out here and record this. Uh, So it's just wherever you find sound. In my I experience. love it. I mean, that's like you're you're you hit the nail on the head. I I think a lot of people get discouraged by barriers to creating music because I think they believe they have to have first like a certain background in terms of education or whatever, and then equipment right. and then all these barriers and stuff. And there are barriers still. I'm not saying there's not, but you can create something interesting musically with a lot of stuff. And like yeah. you said, finding and finding found sound, found sound recordings and sampling and stuff is so creative and so inspiring. There's something also interesting about creating um, constraints for yourself. Like if, if you know you're only on um, garage band and you've only got a few samples and you're, you've, you've went out and found sound record recorded a few things that is going to increase your creativity because you don't have access to, you know, the whole world isn't out there waiting uh, for you to input all these different libraries and stuff like that. Right. Incredibly creatively freeing to do that. I, I try to set up my sessions in a similar way where I kind of lock myself into a box and like try to expand as much as possible within that box. Sure. Um, yeah. You give yourself a few things and go, what can I do with this? Yeah. And make exactly. yourself come up with things out of that. I didn't realize that Hilder also uh, did Battlefield 2042, uh, mm-hmm. which that score is extremely strange. And I love it. It's so clicky and and yeah. like aggressive and angry. I love it. I haven't I haven't had a chance to hear it yet, but I heard that like uh, in like the desert maps, all the music was made with sand and stuff like that. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so I love it. I love it. In. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. That stuff's great. Um, so what, uh, Hmm. So like working in games has got to be different, right? Every medium that music is made for is different, but like very few mediums are as directly interactive as games. And uh, I teach students at a university here in St. Louis, and several of them are interested in in the audio department, some of them specifically music. And it's always fun to talk to them because I'm like, music in, I think, in my opinion, any other context is, it feels a little more straightforward. Like if you're writing songs for an album or an LP, like 
there's structure, sure, but like, and you can defy that structure if you like. But there's still kind of you know what you're getting into when you hit play on a song most of the time. Um, and movie scores, right, have obvious like crescendo towards the climax and obvious like resolvement down towards the the resolution of the movie. But video games are interesting because so many of them have to be compatible, right, with the player interacting with it. How different is that process? And like, how do you plan for that? Do you do you try to make things that have kind of, for lack of a better term, like open uh, input and output at the end so they can stick right into something else or loop on themselves? How does that work when you're building for that kind of interactivity? Yeah, I mean, that that is kind of the big thing that separates games from film. And, and it goes back to the constraint thing a little bit. You have... Uh, when you're when you're working on a game, it depends on the size of the game. But it, typically, what I like to do is focus on designing a music system first, because music system really is what's going to like contain the whole um, music language. And um, I, I may be a little atypical uh, compared to other composers. I typically like to implement music myself in the game using usually wise using a middleware program called sure. wise um, because it really, to me, it informs how I write the music. Um, sure. So if I know what the game loop is game loop being like, you know, what is the game? It's sure. Combat stealth. Yeah. Whatever. Um, that's really going to affect how I write pieces of music and how I want pieces to interact with each other. Um, so in these, these this middleware without getting too into the minutiae and like boring details of how these things operate um the the middleware is kind of like an audio workstation in itself so it's it's set up in a similar way you can stack all your tracks and see them uh, vertically and horizontally um and then you can start throwing in variables in there to say like um uh, roll the dice every time this plays and randomly take out like the violin or any soloist on there so that each time it plays a different soloist might come in or something like that yeah, or each time it transitions from segment a to segment b choose a random uh fill or something like that 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 connects the two together um and then Obviously, there's a lot of other inter- interactivity, like you can do things, anything, really. I mean, you, you if you use middleware like a creative tool, like a writing compositional tool, you have the, the actual you know, notes on a paper, but then you have this sort of like fourth dimension of interactivity that sure. is always informing the way you write. Um, and it changes everything. I mean, it changes like for this recording session we're doing, we have to do certain takes of pieces of music that are just kind of straight ahead, start and finish. And then other pieces that are going to end up overlaying on that, that are going to be um, only heard when there's some sort of parameter in the game that's interacting with it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. Cause yeah, it's not like a studio album or, or a film score where it's, you, it's, you know, start, downbeat and then exit it's between that it can branch and do all these different things um so you're kind of thinking in in different in a different way and and it does inform the writing and i think it 
it does make you it does uh you have to think ahead and think think a little more uh creatively with how a track can um evolve and interact yeah you've got definitely got to be more conscious uh of those there's i'm like the things that i didn't realize that it was that programmatic or that it could be right that like you uh yeah i wonder how many uh other composers take the time to like do it in wise themselves and figure out that kind of stuff or if they build to a sound and then allow people to adapt but like there are instances that i can think of that were like what you're saying makes a ton of sense specifically because like games that there's a game that just came out march 1st that's a not a sequel but it's in the same universe uh, it's called far changing tides the composer's joel shock and like mm. there are several moments in that game where you're you're the entire time you're kind of pushing forward this big dirigible this kind of locomotive kind of thing on the ground and then in the water um and there are times where like as you're going in and putting up the sails and like releasing the brake turning on the motor each different piece of the puzzle you start to put into play different instruments start to play into it but it waits for you to do that right it's not scripted um so i'd imagine that's probably in that instance built into you know something with parameters very programmatic um mm -hmm. but then there's Oh man, did you play Outer Wilds, or do you know of I, Outer Wilds? I did play a little bit of it. Definitely know of it and the soundtrack. I it came out at a time where I wasn't uh, didn't have enough time to dive sure. into it. So it's like one of those yeah one of those my infinite one of those backlog of backlog <laughs> yeah Gosh. yeah. I need the ability to stop time, and people would ask you, you know, if you could stop time, what would you do? It wouldn't be anything like creative. I would just play through the hundreds of games that I haven't gotten the time to get right. to. Oh um, my gosh! And not to sidetrack this, but you're fine. Um, I've I've never played a FromSoft game before, or never gotten into one before. Sure. And I am I'm I can't like describe how obsessed I am with Elden Ring. I don't know what it is about that game, but I, yeah. as someone who had who bounced off every single uh, FromSoft game before. Um, this one oh, is grabbed like you? taking up all my gaming time. <laughs> Incredible. Sure. I haven't started yeah. it because similarly, like I've bounced off of those games, but people I know that also have bounced off that I would like align my, if I'm going to like this game by how they react, they're all in love with it. And I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> I want to play yeah. it, but do I have the time? Do I need to figure out how to fix it's my so own good. schedule for it? What yeah. a miracle that game is. Anyway, sorry to, no, it's fine. Well. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, the end of Outer Wilds, though, has this moment that's really awesome where you're like, I think there's some parameters ahead of time. Like, if you don't interact with people in the world, they don't show up at this scene. But if you interact with mm. everybody, they're in the scene um, without spoiling what the scene is. But as you talk to them, they have an instrument on them, like a banjo or a flute or a guitar yeah. or some drums. And like, after their conversation, after your conversation with them, they'll ask, like, should I start playing? And you can be like, Sure. Um, and as you talk to all of them, they all start playing together. And it's one of the most magical moments in a game. Like that game stood out. Uh, I guess it was 2019. What is time? Oh my God. <laughs> I know. God. Three years ago. Um, <clears throat> the ending of that game is one of my favorite endings of a game. And it's largely because that music is so impactful because it just has this very like cumulative effect to it. Um, how is music technology changed i guess since you started is that something that happens pretty frequently like you know engines and as in software capability change yeah. like crazy 
How does that impact like what you're able to do or or what you're restricted from doing? Right. I think I think yeah, t- t- uh, technology is definitely changing quite a bit. When I was first starting out, um, Wise was sort of like um, a new thing. I think largely people were making their own middleware or were um, uh, using like uh, existing tools to implement music, and it was relatively straightforward unless you spent a lot of time. Um, creating your own systems, and that was usually AAA games only. Sure. Um, and Wise and FMod had been around for a little while, but um, I was really focused when I went back to school on learning Wise and a little bit of FMod as well, which is another another uh, thing like that, a uh, program like that. I think because that time period was there was such a a burst of indie games coming out that were doing a lot of very unique things with uh, music. And I think, like you said, Outer Wilds is a great example of um, developers now, indie and AAA developers are understanding that music is less something you just, you throw on an existing game and just, you know, it becomes, it can become part of the game and it can become a very um, interactive and impactful way to, make your game stick with somebody um so yeah i think from from when i was starting out the tech was like get it was it was definitely there it was definitely growing and i think the more the more i uh mess around with it the more iterative uh additions of these things that come out it just gets um a lot easier to get your ideas across i think similar to when i was growing up and using like i think it was called acid pro which was like a really old school um uh like garage band sort of thing yeah old dog um yeah yeah old dot and uh gosh i mean i know some composers that used to have to record to tape you know like we're sure talking, <laughs> oh, things that things in that realm have gone crazy like uh e- even when i was first starting like the the computing power that i have now compared to what i had then is ridiculous and sample libraries are just unbelievably complex and realistic sounding and then synths are synths are kind of like old meets new but keep getting you know keep getting resurfaced and repurposed and the music tech is 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 fascinating i think one of the the cool things I'm, i'm seeing with with music is these new consoles now um in you know pcs of course but there's not a lot of limitations anymore you know we used to have even for shadow run we used to be pretty concerned about footprint for music and stuff sure. like that yeah and now in you know i'm making some stuff for the next gen consoles and you just don't even care you just throw everything in have yeah. have a throw in a piece of music with 20 stems sure why not why not like, throw it in and, <laughs> and that just that then like allows you to be do more interesting things with implementation that that you might not, not been able to do before. Um, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. There's a there's a oh no, I lost it. Hold on. Um, when you're, you know, working with like how you're able to implement music and like not having limitations, it's interesting for me to always like. There's a series I don't know if you've ever seen it um, that Rockstar did. I think in the like early 2010s 
Mm. I hope it's not that old. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I can't imagine that being the first time I saw those being 10 years ago. But there's a series that Rockstar, I'm sorry, not Rockstar, Red Bull did, mm. called Digging in the Crates? Or Digging mm. in the Carts? Right, Digging in the Crates is the term for like DJ, DJs looking for, yeah, samples uh, and vinyl. Digging in the Carts was like, a reference to cartridges it's a reference to like uh yeah and it's a, a series all about like the origin of video game music so they go back and talk mm. to like japanese composers that were making stuff in the 80s for the nintendo systems <laughs> oh and that's how, awesome oh it's so good i'll share a link with you uh after this 100 yeah, percent. please do they speak with one woman who you know composed like the tower of Draga and a bunch of other stuff and like she has spreadsheets with what looked like just <laughs> graphs because like it was all about like uh basically i guess a midi like it was a thing mm-hmm. being able to play frequencies based on what was drawn and it had to be read by this machine and then they talk about like how mario could only fit one like sound uh system so that like there wasn't music and sound effects so they had to figure out mm-hmm. how to let the game tell the sound system to play sound effects in between the score, but not pause yeah. the score, right? Because you don't want to like feel like the score is stuttering when you're jumping on blocks or killing uh, Oompa, not Oompas. Um, the mushroom people. What are they called? Anyway. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How do they do Goombas? My f- Goombas. My friend <laughs> is always Goomba when we play Mario Party. Yeah, and of I'm, course. Whatever. So, like, you don't want the music to stutter when you jump on a Goomba and then, like, resume from the same spot. So they, like, would drop notes from the score and add notes from the totally. sound effects so that it would resume. Um, yeah. Listening to them talk about that stuff's incredible. You've got to watch it. There's, like, five episodes. They're, like, 15 minutes each. It's incredible. Um, it's crazy, though, to think of that. People, like, drawing graphs for music composition in games and now, like, recording at Abbey Road. Which mm-hmm. is insane. Is there any, even like a little faction of people that are like thinking about, because you know, in regular music, uh, regular music, excuse me, um, in like uh, film and, and, and like LPs and albums, you have people going back to old styles of creating music. Is there any people that are like, what if we went and did game music like older? Like, like what if we trapped our like well, like you were saying earlier what if we kept ourselves in a box and had to work with this is that something that you've seen or have thought about ever i mean i was gonna say like it, it, there's benefits and and detriments to having you know a, uh, a full 150 piece orchestra just right right here on my keyboard you know it um uh and the people that had to write via spreadsheet and do sort of the MIDI stuff that you're talking about, talk about having to really know your shit because yeah. if you mess up one voice leading or one, you know, harmony, it's people are going to tell. And there were actually a lot of games that had kind of <laughs> messed up sounding yes. soundtracks, yeah. but it's kind of like, there's kind of like a, it's quirky and cool. Yeah. It's what's endearing but, about them now. <laughs> Yeah, but you know most of those those composers, especially the Japanese composers, like they're brilliant writers, and there's a reason why you you can play Final Fantasy and and have it be in this you know this retro um, setup, 
and then play it with an orchestra and it sounds amazing it's because right. you know the first and foremost the writing is good right yeah and um so the more technology is, is definitely not you know unequivocally a better thing so i i always do appreciate people kind of going back and doing things doing interesting things having interesting takes Mm. Whether that's setting up more constraints or Japan um, hearkening back to like a time when things were eight bit or sixteen bit or whatever it is in five weeks, a hundred thousand. Even if it's just not using um, uh, digital software, like using something like the Eurorack synths or or external synths and stuff like that, you know, certain things are timeless for a reason. I think so. Mm -hmm. Whatever works, works. You know um and bigger is not always better sure yeah i love you you i think it's i don't know if it's universal but i think uh at least in my experience you can tell when i guess i've just never heard anybody like say it out loud like you did but i think it's pretty obvious to me when you can tell someone like limited themselves to what they could use and then mm. make something out of that because there's a cohesion to it right like if you're using the full <laughs> library of one of these obviously high-end DAWs, like you're running through thousands of sounds. And I think that when it's more limited and more constrained, I guess is probably the better word, is that like you can, everything feels more relative and intimate, right? So the score mm -hmm. feels more cohesive. Um, not saying that, of course, like somebody couldn't use tons of sounds and make an incredible sounding thing, um, but like, it's that argument that not simple, the simplest, uh, solution is generally the best solution. Mm -hmm. Um, as a writer, that's very true. Um, except for when you run into things like time travel, which don't write about time travel. That shit's so hard. <laughs> you either have to like obey the rules and it'll be real hard I or just know. ignore the rules and it'll be I'm fun. always the annoying person. Whenever my wife and I watch a movie about time travel, like point out all the paradoxes yep. and all the inconsistencies. She's like, yep. just let me enjoy this goddamn movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely the same. Like he couldn't have traveled before a time machine was built because where yeah. does he get out? Rule one. Yeah. <laughs> you can't change what you've already experienced. I love yeah. I love time travel stories, but I also pick them to death. Uh Avengers Endgame did not uh no. did, <laughs> did not care about well, rules. The catch -all for yeah. Time yeah. Now, That's right? how they fixed it. They went, what if anything was possible? And now we just have to go, okay, yeah. okay, fine. Um like you were saying about the kitchen sink stuff, I think a good example of that is like there's nothing um live recording i think forces you to do what you were talking about you're restricted the constraint is the amount of people you have and the amount of voices that you have or whatever sure. and oftentimes what i think we find out as composers is with access to the daw and stuff we we throw in a lot of um stuff we think is going to add to it sure. and then we'll get to the recording session and we'll hear it in the context of of reality right of actual what's happening and we'll say oh shit that the thing i wrote in the flutes that i thought would be so awesome sounds stupid or you can't even hear it at all sure and you're like well let's take that out so yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of uh you know you get pretty ambitious when you're writing on the computer and then when you're doing it live you realize like yeah we probably don't need these 
things I added for whatever, re- or I forgot we're even in there. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. The thing that you wrote like too. the first couple weeks, and then when yeah. you're recording, it's been months. So when you hear it again, yeah. you're like, oh, that's not. Uh, never, never mind on that. <laughs> this doesn't happen often because you, you, have, you know, orchestrators and other people that will catch this stuff. But there has has been times where, like, you'll export a track and one of the tracks was muted, so you never heard it, but it got transcribed onto the sheet music. So someone is playing some <laughs> random line that you that you didn't intend. Oh to be like, wait, no. wait, a, wait a minute, where did that come from? You're like, actually, then, don't do that and cop just read from. Very early, yeah, sure, that would. If people are doing their jobs, yeah, yeah, that would be best. Is that you don't end up in the in the recording session like, wait, <laughs> I thought I took that out. Oh, that's yeah. funny. So, Seinfeld baseline or something. <laughs> yeah, sure. Or some like some cue that you added for inspiration, and then would mute so that yeah. you could write over it, and then you just left totally, it. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. you're like, oh no, that wasn't supposed to be there. Um, <laughs> I wonder if there's any like <laughs> if there's any examples of that that just stayed. Because they were like, oops. Oh, I bet. That and must be. There's some leap motif we're listening to that absolutely is part of something else. And they were like, just, yeah. It sounded good. Just keep going. <laughs> well, yeah. In, even in sample libraries now, like there's there's lots of quote unquote mistakes in there. Like you hear rustling and people flipping pages and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that adds to like live recordings, but uh, there is a sample library. I remember they probably have edited it out, but there was one sample where you would press, you know, like the A or something. You'd hear the, you know, the pretty string string player doing the thing, and then you'd release it, and you'd hear someone go, "Oh shit!" <laughs> because amazing. I left in the recording. <laughs> That's so incredible. Good. There's a one moment. I don't know if it's still there. Obviously, it might be edited out, like you said. But there's a moment in. Uh, I was a really big fan. I mean, who wasn't a big fan of Daft Punk? Um, but their score for Tron Legacy, um, like the first, maybe it's the first, whatever, whichever track it is, it starts really like airy and quietly. And I think to catch the noise of the the instruments being played so quietly, they had, you know, the, the gain turned up because mm-hmm. I could swear when I had my good headphones in and I was listening to it loud because... Why not? There's a moment right before it starts where you can hear pages turn. You can hear someone take a deep breath and you can hear like a bow being lifted off of a music stand. Like you can hear the click of it being picked up. And (laughs) there's no reason I think that they would leave that or not leave that. I don't think there was any reason for that to be intentional because the the movie's all about like being super digital and it's Daft Punk. But Mm -hmm. regardless, every time I play that album, I listen for it. And like, ah, it's still there. It's still there. It's one of my favorite things. Just the little clicks and movements and rustling right yeah. before they start playing. I used to, I do love that as well. I, I, I used, when I wasn't, didn't have access to recording with musicians, I used to actually add fake breath noises and yeah, rustling sure. into samples. Yeah. That's incredible. So I'm with you on that. That's incredible. It's, there's something about the air in the room that is, is yeah. changes everything. Yeah. It grounds it almost and like makes mm-hmm. it real. Um, Speaking of making it real, <laughs> I meant to bring this up earlier. You mentioned producing hip hop music. Does that mean that somewhere yeah. there's like a mixtape that you produced <laughs> that like no one knows about? I don't know if anyone would be able to find it, but I I did in like you know the late '90s. I got really into like underground hip hop. I was into like 
really loved MF Doom and Black Star and stuff sure. like that. And uh, a lot of people at the time were using um, this keyboard sampler called an ASR10. And it, it was like used floppy disks to um, load <laughs> to load uh, instruments on it. Yeah. So I like I was working at Safeway at the time and um, saved up a whole bunch of money for, through summer of working at Safeway to order one of these things. And it's like from I think it was like discontinued in like the mid 80s or something like that. Sure. Um, but for some reason, it was like really like everybody that I whose production I really liked had some sort of uh association with the asr 10 sampler so i was like i need this i yeah. need this yeah Had it to was have so it. fun yeah so fun to learn and um yeah but loading a song on it took like 25 minutes just to put in all the floppy disks <laughs> incredible that's amazing oh man music technology um yeah that's come a long way good work. i need to i'm I'm going to lead some group of archivists who are going to look for, look for old uh, Everest produced hip hop mixtapes from the late nineties. I would, oh, that'd be incredible. Um, all right. So I have a couple of questions. We've got like 15 minutes. Like I said, I don't want to keep you too long. I have a couple of questions I ask everybody, but I've never had a composer on. So I have to, I have to adjust them a little bit. Um, the first one is generally if you could make any game. Right. Or revive, not make any game. If you could revive any game and like make it without budget constraints or anything, what would it be? So I guess adjusted for a composer, if you could score any game franchise, you know, what's the, what's the pipe dream? What's the like thing you've loved forever that if someone was like, Hey, do you want to do this? You'd be like, uh, yes. Oh my gosh. You can pick like, you can pick like three if you don't want to single it down. Hmm. Gosh, I gotta say, like some sort of Splinter Cell thing would be yeah. amazing. I I would I would love to get involved with something like that. Gosh, that's a tough question though. Um, hmm. Can you imagine? Uh, uh, <laughs> can you imagine being able to work with Amon Tobin on a score? <laughs> oh man, that would Oof. be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I like there's, you know, franchises I would love to to be a part of, like doing something in the Star Wars universe would be amazing to sure. just because I think there's the way that IP is opening it up, opening up to new ideas and, and stuff is pretty interesting. Um, that would be amazing. Um, gosh, I feel like I've, I've worked on, uh, like Shadowrun was one of them probably. And so that was pretty trippy to do that. Sure. Um, Battletech was even, I mean, Mech Warrior was, was one of the first PC games I think I ever played. And so that yeah. was, that was a trip to, to work on that also. Oh, I meant to mention, um, um we, so I love the Battletech score. I've played criminally less of that game than i would like to again one of those things where like i started it something happened um but i have all the scores on my phone but the whole thing i wanted to tell you is i have this weta made this game weta workshop made this game years ago back 2018 called giant killer robots it's like mm. big mechs it's a big board game it's big mechs running around and you're in like bombed out cities and your goal because it's an actual in the universe a game show your goal is to like get to buildings and spray them with your sponsors so that you can get like 
an airdrop sponsored by Fizzy Pop. It rules. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> the first night we played that for like five hours, we were trying to come up with music to play for it. And I was like, it's got to be Battletech. So we listened to the Battletech score for like five oh, hours awesome. on repeat while playing Man. Heavy Hitters and uh, or Giant Killer Robots. And I, when I tell you that like when we finally got into the first fight as the game got started, because we took two hours learning the rules. But when we got into the first fight, <laughs> it just happened to line up with like one of the more like momentum of like one of the more like tracks with more momentum in it. And like it was just of mm-hmm. it was perfect. And like people took That's out their perfect. phones like I got to record this. It was incredible. Uh, um, that makes me feel amazing. That's that's so great. There was no other score. to Honestly, there was no other score to play. When you're playing a mech <laughs> fighting game, then the Battletech score. Like anybody who would uh, say anything it. else, I'd be like, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry so cool. I interrupted you. You said Star Wars, Splinter Cell. Do you have another one or do you oh, want to run away gosh, from the question? I, mean, <laughs> I have, I love, uh, I grew up like obsessed with X Men. Anything in the X Men universe would be cool. But, you know, I, 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 I do love like old IP stuff, but I really, I'm really just like fascinated about like new stories, you know, like I want to, I want to like, I want to be involved in something that's like really narrative story driven and um, unique, just kind of went to something that I can lend a unique voice to is always fascinating. Um, That's why I like doing doing some of those films with Jen were, was really fun just because it was something so new and, and unique um, uh, with Ravenna. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. I mean, but geez, like every time that I get like an opportunity to write music for a game for a larger IP game, I'm just like, I can't believe that I get to do this. That's, <laughs> that's the whole sure. the whole thing. Every, like every, every job I have is amazing to me already. Yeah. Yeah, every time you kind of like, uh, is this real? Is this actually happening? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of finding, you know, a way to bring something unique, I think that like disintegration score is also very good. Um, oh, thanks, man. And I, 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 I really wish that game had found its audience sooner. Yeah. Um, but like, for a game that like struck out on its own in such a unique way, uh, I, I'm a big fan of strategy games, so like that game was gonna hit always because it's just strategy but in a different perspective but mm-hmm. i i also thought the score of that game was i mean i didn't had the words to contextualize it but you saying like uh, telling new stories finding a way to do something unique in a new place like that yeah i think you did that it's great it uh, worked I perfectly it. um I appreciate it. yeah video games video games are tough it's like you it's really difficult to try to go out and do do an original thing when you're a small team like that so i i really like admired how they tried to hit for the fence uh for the fences and gosh with how small that team was and the caliber of cinematics they were putting out it was it blew my mind yeah. um i yeah. think people people kind of didn't didn't really maybe understand that it was only 20 people making that that game but um you know yeah, absolutely insane. really talented people yeah yeah um second question I said I said two, but I have three now. Second question. Um, you've done games for a decade almost. Uh, and you, you're Oh, my continue. gosh. Have I? Well, I mean, oh. Dragonfall was 2014. So. Yeah. Good Lord. Hooray. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to <laughs> remind you how long it's been. Um, 
<laughs> you've done you've how many film projects have you done other than that that project uh with Ravenna? Um I've I've only worked with her actually and I I think we've done we haven't done a full feature we've done shorts and we've done like one two three I think we've done four or five so far and um she's she's really brilliant she was actually one of the the main reasons why I think I have a career honestly because she used to go to the music school I went to was called DigiPen and it's actually mm-hmm. like a, a college for game development um yeah. but they had a music program there which was really cool kind of coincidence at the time it just started when I was thinking about my existential crisis as a <laughs> corporate goon sure um sure. <laughs> and uh uh she was an artist there so she dropped out before me to work at Harebrain Schemes. And I had worked with her on a student game right before that. And we we didn't really even know each other that well, um, but she was just in some random meeting with the head of the studio uh, of Harebrain Schemes, Mitch Gittleman. And he needed some music for like a trailer or something. And she was like, well, I know this composer from DigiPen who kind of thinks, I feel like he knows what he's doing. And so that was, that was the first intro to Mitch. And that started like literally after I sent them the first piece, I think I, I ended up, um, yeah, not too shortly after working on, on uh, Dragonfall. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but what was the question? Did I just meander? No, no, no. I hadn't gotten to it. I hadn't gotten to it. Um, <laughs> okay. I'd asked. I'd asked how many film projects he'd worked on, or if we'd worked oh, yeah, any yeah, other yeah. than Ravenna. Um, is film something that you want to move or do more of? Is it something you're just kind of like dabbling with to see if you if you like it? What's your What do you see? <laughs> what do you see yourself doing in five years? And don't answer that. <laughs> um, but do you, is film something that you would want to do? Yeah, I mean, I, I anything music related, I'm into. And if a film is doing something interesting and and cool, I'm I'm always always interested in it. I mean, I think video games is is my prime my primary focus, just because I really like I, it. Really like has a good vibe with my um, my creativity and sure. timing. Also, I think with films can be difficult for me because a lot of times they're under really tight deadlines and there's a lot of iteration. Um, if I had the opportunity to work on a film for an extended period of time where I could maybe have, you know, uh, more like six months to work on it and um, have a lot of creative control, I think, I think I would be into it. Um, sure. Cause yeah, I love film music. I really love, um, I really love, uh, just films in general and like you know johnny greenwood is one of my heroes uh as far as what he's done in film and also in his um his professional musical life and um the hacks and cloak the guy that uh uh, bobby uh krillick uh just won a bafta for um returnal yeah he also did midsummer um and both of those scores were very cool. He's a big, I, uh, he's a big uh, Euro rack synthesizer person. Also, sure. so doing something like in that realm would be very interesting to me. Just kind of getting, being able to get weird and creative with, 
Yeah, sure. With strange sounds, do some horror or something like that. One hundred percent. I think that the uh, the increased use of um, digital instruments and digital sounds, electronic sounds, has mm-hmm. uh, done a lot to make scary stuff scarier. I don't know. In my opinion, like when you take something that is natural or was natural and then bend it into something else. Uh, well, that's kind of the point of a scary thing you're watching. Um, totally. So it, it rules. I just I just got out of a screening, not today, but last night I went and saw um, The Northman, the new Robert Eggers movie. Oh, yeah. Um, the that's score cool. of that movie is incredible. But like... Really? Yeah. It, it, Eggers has this like habit of doing stuff that's like psychologically tense and like right. very thrilling where you're like not sure what's happening or he'll like like slide the camera past something violent or disturbing but then like mm-hmm. rather than just making you look at it he seems to be interested in like his director of photography Jaron Blaschke is great uh at being making it obvious that they're much more interested in what the characters who are seeing that are how they're reacting mm. and so like he'll pan past something that's like what was that and then you get to look at the actors react to it and he's got a really good ability to get those actors to evoke feelings that seem appropriate. But the score of that movie, because it's so much, uh, there's so much of that movie that's built upon this like very old, very like mystical Norse mythology. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of it plays with like, obviously old instruments. I don't know if you've listened to Sarah Schachner's uh, and I guess just oh, yeah. her kid's score Love from, from um, Assassin's Creed. Also, her mm-hmm. score on uh, Anthem is one of my favorites. Oh, so good. It's so good. Uh, the Damn. score for, yeah, dude. I One of those things that will bug me forever, the fact that like the re-release was being worked on, and then they were just like, nah. I wanted to at That's least right. see it. Like, what what did yeah. they? What were they doing? Um, yeah, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. Games are brutal sometimes, uh, the industry. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, Sarah's score in Assassin's Creed and this score for the Northman have similarities. So I imagine that there's some instruments that sh- that are shared. But it's also, it feels so referential to that specific score that, like, after the movie ended, I wanted to go play mm-hmm. Valhalla again. Because, <laughs> like, the music was so evocative. It yeah, it was, it was great. So if you have time in the future, go watch. It comes out the 22nd. Go watch Northman. It's very good. Um, yeah, the, the music struck out. me like immediately. I was like, "Oh, yep," because you know, you, when you screen movies, you frequently go see stuff that's like, like I saw Ambulance on Tuesday. I couldn't really tell you mm. what the score of that movie was. It wasn't the focus. <laughs> it wasn't important to that movie. You could tell it was right. all about explosions and car chases. Um, but like seconds into the Northman, mm. it was like, "Oh, okay." It, it set the yeah. mood. It had the the like droning stringed instruments that the Assassin's Creed score totally. have that. Yeah, it was great. You can tell when, you know, it's, it's directors either trusting the composer to make decisions um, to, you know, hire a composer, not just for their ability to write something, but for their ability to spot and say like, this will be really cool if we do this here, do this there, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's the same in, in video games too. It's it, a lot of uh, times it's, and I'm I'm lucky with harebrained schemes. They do this for me all, all the time. Is they're very like, we're hands off. Yeah. You decide 
That's we awesome. have some ideas, but like you, you decide what goes where and that freedom allows you to take risks and do a lot of cool juxtaposition and interesting things that make the music part of like, almost like a character of the film or of sure. itself rather sure. than just dressing. Yeah. 100%. Well, here's to, here's to you continuing to get freedom in, in creation. Cause that's obviously the, the desire, right. To keep that. Yeah. That's the, that's the best. It's the best. All right. Last question. Normally at some point we end up talking about food. We didn't this time. That's fine. <laughs> but this last question, regardless is going to be about food. Um, if you had the opportunity to score a game about food, what kind of food would you want the game to be about? So I'm kind of asking you what your favorite food is, I guess. And um, what? how would you approach making music for it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, gosh, that's difficult. Favorite food. I mean... I mean, it's it's going to be lame, I think, but I feel like I've got to say like a good like New York style pizza. Is okay, no, that's not lame at all. There. That's incredible. <laughs> that rules. That rules. Okay. And to make music for it, I mean, what would I do? I feel like it would be interesting to like do some some sampling of um of like the ovens. You know how that those the ovens for New York pizzas like they all creak when you open them up. Sure. And like doing some like percussion with the uh, the they use and the big spatula, maybe like the yeah. cardboard cardboard to go boxes and stuff could be interesting. Yeah, but yeah, no, you I'm said hungry. it would be lame. That's incredible. And I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was like thinking because I I love so many like you know I'm like gosh there's like dishes right like I love like a good like um, like cacio e pepe pasta or something you know or like uh like some prosciutto and cheese or like just butter on bread is amazing yeah it's hard to it's hard to decide your (laughs) your favorite favorite. yeah i i think mine would be uh, this is only because i interviewed um a guy named fauzi mesmer a couple like a month ago and he brought up ramen, which is like one of my favorite things in the world. Uh, and I think that like if I were to make a ramen game, if that score could include the sounds of like wooden sticks and glass bowls, like that tinkling oh, yeah. noise, um, <laughs> like that would have to be a big part of it. There's there's definitely, you know, like so have you listened to Solar Fields? Like the what's that guy's name? Magnus Bergerson, the guy that did the score for the two Mirror's Edge games. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a lot of his normal music is closer to like ambient, um, and he's extremely good at using like little crinkly or crackly noises to add a little texture in like the quieter segments. That for mm-hmm. me in a ramen game would be chopsticks on a bowl, one hundred percent, or just clicking together. Ah, clicks. You have to make that game. I'd play that game. Well, if I get the chance to make that game, I know who I'm gonna call. <laughs> to make the music and then we'll make you. a pizza game right after it oh me no Ugh. don't give me that kind of confidence it'll be bad it'll be bad it's actually there's probably that seems like a nice peaceful game like just construct a ramen uh yeah. construct ramen for people that come in and put in orders yeah put it together with all the like... separate different pieces it would give yeah. you know, the like organizational uh fix and also yeah oh I'm See, 
We got to do this. I'm going to steal your idea now. It's gonna, you're going to see it on Steam in two months. It's all, right. <laughs> it's all right. At the very bottom, just say a special thanks and just throw my <laughs> name in there. That's fine. That's all I need. <laughs> well, uh, John, thanks so much for taking the time. Sorry that it took yeah. so long to organize. We each had different things come up. And we were like, actually, tomorrow doesn't work. But we got it. We figured it out. Um, if people wanted to follow you, um, or anything you're working on, or listen to your music, where would they do that? I think the easiest way is Twitter. I'm at John Everest. That's J-O-N-E-V-E-R-I-S-T. Sweet. And That's I have an Instagram easy. too. Nice. But uh, it's good that you, you know you me. got the you got the just your name. Uh, I don't think yeah. my name worked, so I had to come up with something else. <laughs> <laughs> but you got it. You got yours. Um, sweet. And uh, you also mentioned recently that some of your music is leaving streaming. Yeah, big bummer. I mean, Shadowrun is one of those complex behemoth IPs. It's been around for so long and there's, you know, so many different iterations, whether it's like tabletop or, um, you know, all the way back to the Xbox uh, first person shooter thing that Microsoft did. But Microsoft owns the IP and... They recently, I think, I think in general, uh, big AAA studios and publishers are getting very concerned about aging IP and music. Um, sure. uh, and they just specified, you know, I think they want you only to be able to purchase um, the soundtrack if you have purchased the game already. That's gotcha. kind of the take. So... So is there kind a way for people to go grab those scores so that they don't lose them? Well, sadly, I just took it off my Bandcamp today. You can still see the like soundtracks up there, but you can't download it. Um, I think you could still get it from some digital outlets, but um, right. it's not on Spotify anymore as of today. Um, and it'll probably in the next few days will be be nowhere yeah. well actually no you can you can get it on steam if you if you purchase the deluxe edition right. of the games sure yeah. and some of those allow you so, to buy them separate so all right yeah so those are like the the only official places now are, are where you can buy the game directly all right all right hooray music and ip laws making yeah, things tricky God. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um well thanks again for for coming on um you bet yeah, and uh yeah we'll have to touch base again later once we've made yeah. once we've made a few food games obviously Definitely. Uh, you make my ramen game i'll make your pizza game that's what we'll do i'm in i'm in <laughs> i'm hungry yeah sorry go eat food go eat food uh thanks oh, for I listening will. everybody who listened john thanks again for coming on uh again follow him at john everest j-o-n-e-v-e-r-i-s-t i spelled that right i had to check <laughs> um <laughs> and yeah Take it easy. Oh, the sign off is uh, Wolf, Wolf, sorry, Ralph Waldo Emerson, I believe, who said, We don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. So don't stop playing games. Love it. Yeah.
of a few months. One hundred percent. Yes. I uh my, I was playing my, it for so long. Yeah, my mom wanted me to play like flute. Uh yeah. <laughs> and I was like the biggest kid in band, and I was like, I'm not doing that. So <laughs> I ended up playing drums, much to their distaste. Uh yeah, because and the neighbors down the block. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've set up more than a couple of garage bands and just played music in the summer. Uh, and oh, watched all the people close their garages or shut their windows. <laughs> yeah. My mom used to get phone calls from people like two blocks away being like, is your son playing the drums right now? Because uh, <laughs> we can hear it all the way down here. <laughs> yeah. Is there a way to make this stop? It's, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we've we've finally done it. I know, man. <laughs> Rolling yeah. schedules be damned. We figured it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I apologize it took so long for oh, it to make no. it happen. But no need to apologize. Cuckoo crazy, COVID craziness, and schedule craziness. It's just all crazy. Yeah, crazy. But I mean, at least whole world's crazy. At least your schedule is crazy because you're you're working, right? You're doing things. It could be yeah, could be the opposite, I guess. So there's a silver lining in some way. (laughs) Definitely, yeah. Feeling feeling very lucky to keep busy. Who would have thought that composing for video games would be good job security security during a global pandemic right yeah not, not, <laughs> i would not have guessed that but here we are yeah 